3: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today.
0: The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
4: Center of the Galaxy. This is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of Force Center is the Book of Boba Fett report. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
3: I'm Cat Napsock, riding high atop a sweet hungry Bantha, ready to talk about both. <laughs> sweet hungry Bantha is just
4: such an accurate description of what we saw and a great 90s band. That's one that you would DJ <laughs> back in the day, right?
3: They open for Stabbing Westward and uh, <laughs> Dishwalla. It's a great show. Great show.
4: Yeah, and Wookiees Who Can't Let It Go. That was another great uh, 90s band that was featured <laughs> emotionally in this episode. Yes, Wookiees uh, Who Can't Let It Go. On
3: tour with Nerf Herder.
4: <laughs> exactly. We are very excited to dive in. We've been enjoying the book of Fett. We enjoy analyzing it. We are on a chapter four. Chapter four is called The Gathering Storm, written as uh, all the episodes are so far by Jon Favreau, directed by Kevin Tantra Rowan. Uh, Kevin tancher is uh, known, I think, to people in the general genre fandom for lots of things. He worked on an iteration of Mortal Kombat for the screen, lots of episodes directed of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, many CW superhero shows, and a ton more. It's a long list of credits. This chapter was about 44 minutes of actual story. We always like to start by setting our own scene as fans. Ken, did you do anything special? Did you uh, do your normal
3: midnight viewing? I had... I'm having a nerd paradise, Joseph. Let me just say that. I uh, picked up some, some freelance work this week. So I'm working on something for fandom that's revolved around Boba Fett. So I'm doing that. I'm, I had to, to find some time to get some chapters in on High Republic. And then I had to finish all of that in time for Book of Boba Fett. Wow. <laughs> then I wake up and, and the Lord of the Rings uh, first teaser for the Amazon show got me excited. What a time. Uh, yes, I was up at midnight excited.
4: Is a good time for you, huh? Yeah, I took one of my uh, patented Boba Fett naps. I (laughs) lay really flat on the floor and try to imagine my past at about 11 uh, p.m. and then wake up at about 11.45 p.m. ready to engage with the modern storyline of watching Boba Fett. Uh, I've been pulling out different Boba Fett action figures. I don't have a ton of them, but I have this Galaxy of Heroes one, uh, which is that series they did where uh, they had major characters in this little tube. (laughs) and it's always looked fun, but now it kind of looks like if you put it flat on his back, like Boba Fett is actually in his back to pod. (laughs) napping with me while we watch this show so that was really really fun Uh, yeah I had a ton of fun uh, watching this one stayed up late to write down some thoughts went to bed at uh, 3.30 and then uh, pitched uh, a show of my own so I'm now really excited (laughs) to get back into Boba Fett and talk about this show I was like all Boba Fett (laughs) Mm -hmm. then my mind went somewhere else and now it's uh, happy to be back to Boba Fett
3: love that switching gears but all in the same realm this is fun
4: yeah, absolutely. So
3: let's get into this
4: episode. What was your overall reaction to chapter four? Did you love it? Like it? Struggle with it at
3: all? Where were you? Man, I'm just in a weird spot as a Star Wars fan. I just enjoy Star Wars so much. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, right. I'm not just, and I don't mean that to be snarky. I think you could take that snarky out there. And again, if you, 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 I don't. We'll start this conversation this way, Joseph. Yeah, if you don't like this stuff, that's fine. I just really, really liked this episode. There was so much in it for me. It was just one of the more fun ones of not just this season, but of even going back to Mando. Uh, just some good Star Wars in, and the Return of the Jedi kid in me was smiling from ear to ear. Uh, most of the time and it is an episode I think that if you're not on board with the show Or if you're on the fence you're just not sure I, I just don't, don't think this episode is going to be One that pulls you over and you might never be uh, Pulled over Favreau has clearly Brought a distinct style and tone uh, To Mando Seasons one and two and now this one and I think um, I think if you're not on board I just don't think You are and I, I, I actually I, and I don't say That like a, any any negative way like That's just kind of where it is because I just i just I'm so happy after this episode
4: yeah, I, I love everything you're saying. I really loved this chapter, uh, I think in some ways because it it was the uh, a real expression of what this show is. There was no ambiguity. Um, in fact, I think one of the great things that this uh, chapter did is it took a lot of ideas and themes and things that were uh, bubbling emotionally that uh, you and I have talked about a lot on this podcast, other people uh, have talked about, and made them explicit. And mm-hmm. some of the themes and the ideas and motivations that... I think a lot of us have analyzed and thought we're there. Boba Fett just straight up said, you know, Uh, so I think it was a real uh, crystallizing episode in a great way. And then, yeah, same thing with the tone Uh, to, to hear you talking about it of just like, oh, man, this was just it was totally Star Wars. It was totally this brand of Star Wars. When you were talking, it made me think about the advice that we all give each other of like, don't try to be someone you're not, just be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and and people will like you. And I think when it's a television show, the honest answer is absolutely be yourself. And the people who like that will like it. Yeah. <laughs> and the people who don't will maybe go, Wow, it's really that. It's not for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Look, I, I have hopes that Kenobi has a little bit different kind of momentum and tone. I really want Andor to feel and look different. I mean, I'm there for those conversations, too. But this one, this is what I thought. Almost to the point, maybe the show's stubborn. Uh, maybe that's the one thing about it. It's just like, no, this is what we're doing. But it had some wonderful moments. We're going to discuss that a lot of action moments with great purpose. But some of them that I just I just, again, was like seven year old Ken in 1983. Little Kenny's going, oh, yeah, that fits that's what i would expect (laughs) yeah right i
4: i really thought of uh you know we talk about the tip of the iceberg of star wars is really great at kind of just throwing out an idea and then it makes you uh want to know more the classic example being kenobi mentioning the clone wars in the first film and you know decades of what is that um and and it's like that always and i think uh, the mandalorian show the boba fett show have both been really like tip of the iceberg of What's the deal with Jabba's? <laughs> What's yeah. the deal uh, with the Tuskens? Uh, Do you want to see Jabba's Kitchen? Hell yeah, I want to see Jabba's Kitchen. It's such an uh, embracing of this idea of tip of the iceberg of that one little kernel of an idea was really interesting. So let's explore even more of it. And I think this episode had a ton of that.
3: Yeah. And, and one other thing for me, too, and I, I'm always asking you is just a big question here, Joseph. I, I think if you if you're a t- type of Star Wars fan that digs the Clone Wars, if you like the style and presentation uh, of that series and, and, and many specific episodes, then I think this, this kind of Boba Fett episode is right up your alley. It, there's a lot of uh, just the vibe, the feeling, and, and yes, you could make a Felony reference here if you'd like. But I think even beyond that, um, weird, weird, cute droids or banthas being fed, all these kind of things we're talking about, but also the action and also its own kind of uh, weird pacing, as well as the deep themes. It, it just reminded me of a Clone Wars episode.
4: I think it really reminded me of the Clone Wars episode. I think it really reminds me of the prequel films as well. I think all these ingredients are in the original trilogy uh, and the sequel trilogy as well, but they're more it's more prominently a, a prequel era style to me. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what this show is, it's a lot about that tone of like, we don't want to sort of say, let's stay in this lane. You know, there are elements of this chapter that were like a horror movie. you know, Mm -hmm. elements that were a psychological drama, elements that were, uh, you know, a crime godfather uh, drama. Mm -hmm. But then also within that, there's just this sense of why not this sense of utter whimsy, right? Mm -hmm. And I understand why some people who like, like, I want to, I want to sink into a mood and I want to stay there would be like, okay, we're really learning about Boba's trauma of of losing the Tuskins, and uh this is about you know life or death stakes for fennec shand and uh now boba fett's running around a kitchen trying to whack a funny rabbit droid what's that about like i totally understand and respect that some people might not like that tonal shift but like yeah for me that's that's the prequels right that's that is You watch Darth Maul slaughter Qui-Gon Jinn and right around the same time, Jar Jar's hitting his crotch and going, whoa, you know, (laughs) that's (laughs) a part of the Mm -hmm. Star Wars aesthetic to me that it refuses to stay in a tonal lane, you know, and Uh, it's a choice.
3: Yeah, 100%. And, and, and I think we were just talking on uh, uh, an episode, uh, I think it's one coming out, so no one's heard it yet, but talking about Rogue One and Rogue One striking a, a great tone, but striking a tone and kind of sticking with it, uh, unless you want to hang out with your friend Borg Gullet. And, and now that works for me, but, but uh, uh, you know, I'm I, I with you on there. I, I like following each episode on the journey it takes. Beyond the themes, we dig deep into themes. I just mean... Yeah, it is a little weird. You you kind of, I was even laughing. I was even kind of laughing at Fennec's reaction when he's chasing the the, the left droid, the LAP droid. You done now? Done? Yeah. From the Clone Wars. You done now? And it was just like, it was really hilarious. And, and uh, Grace, uh, my partner, who I, always, I always mention is it's a great barometer. Someone who loves Star Wars but doesn't live in it. Just love that droid. She also loves cute things. Let's be honest. You know, cute little animal droid. But yeah, it, it, and I understand if someone comes to me and says, hey, ah, it just doesn't work for me. I I, I don't. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, it is a different a different uh, a journey to follow, uh, episode to episode.
4: Yeah, and it is an acquired taste, and I don't think it stays in a tonal lane. And I think if people are like, I like Rogue One more because it stays in a tonal lane, like, I get that. But for me, this is, uh, there are elements of it in original trilogy and sequel trilogy, but it's really, to me, super big prequel films, Clone Wars, where you can bounce mm-hmm. from Utter silliness and, 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 you know, a uh, sincere cuteness of uh, Boba's great relationship with the Bantha to super cool fight, you know, and both things are a part of Star Wars, of this kind of
3: Star Wars. Uh, absolutely. Ewok saved the day and uh, Empire is pretty uh, somber at times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
4: uh, I also want to echo a, a great thing that you said is I really feel like this is a part of this Mandoverse, right? We'll talk more about those music cues at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, those shows feel like they are very, very similar. They're they're uh, interconnected tapestry, and they're all coming from uh, certainly uh, lots of creators, but, but mm-hmm. Favreau in particular. Mm-hmm. And I really like that, and I'm excited uh, to see more in different things as well, yeah. different, you know. And I understand also if viewers kind of come to it and they're comparing, like, Mandalorian was uh, a Star Wars live-action show. Book of Boba Fett is a live-action show, uh, and they're real similar in vibe. Mm -hmm. If people are also fans of MCU, and out of the gate, MCU has had many more shows, and they've been vastly different in style and subject matter. And I just Mm -hmm. think it's kind of cool to acknowledge we're not there yet. These are meant to be similar, Uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, and I think we're going to get a lot of different vibes even Mm -hmm. this year.
3: So many hands on it, but I I, I do think these the, definitely this season. But Mando one and two, they they're movies from Favreau, Star Wars movies from Favreau. It's not put together like a normal TV show, including writer room structures and all those kind of things. It is him in a room writing and and then taking it out to everyone else to get their hands on it, which they do. Uh, and yes, so I, I, I'm uh, and, and and the MCU thing is a great example, right? From, from yeah. WandaVision and uh, the Wildness, that that was just watching it from the trailers. You're like, well, it's a bunch of, you know, mad TV sketches about TV through history. Great. <laughs> right. uh, Loki. And then you know, I'm a big fan of the Hawkeye series, which is more, you know, uh, you know street level, uh, uh, you know, different kind of vibe as well. And, I, and those are all working well, c- collectively and independently.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think Star Wars is getting there, but I don't think that's what's being attempted right now. I think it's, okay. it's yeah. you know, it, staying in the same place. I think my other big... Um, reaction to this episode is I felt very satisfied by it I felt like this chapter kind of had a, a, a nice complete story in thematics of itself but also had this great hype for what's next mm-hmm. and uh, I, I scrolled through as many as I could uh, find and remember but I think we are now clear of uh, most shots in the teasers and trailers so I think we're really heading into a uh, beautiful unknown territory
3: Yeah, there was that one trailer shot of Boba Fett's birthday party when they all brought the cake down and uh, (laughs) I, I, I dreamed that I dreamed that that wasn't real.
4: Okay. Yeah, and the LEP droid burst out of the middle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that one.
3: Chasing a rat. It was great.
4: <laughs> Absolutely great. All right, so then let's get into the big themes and ideas that are stake in this episode, this chapter. Mm-hmm. Ken, where did your mind go for what the ideas were? What was at stake in this?
3: There, there's a big one I'm bursting to talk about, uh, but but I also, I'm going to work up to that, okay? It's like an episode uh, or season of Ken's themes here. Um, the one that was pretty, very prominent, I think all through it, and, and it led into some of the other ones of this this idea of, uh, I don't know. You go together versus alone, right? That that big mm-hmm. Star Wars theme of connection, and I just love. There's two big things that that really uh, just maybe you know, hone in on this theme. As I was going to bed, too, right? Now, you know, you know, you, you fall asleep. You watch the episode, you go to bed, and you're just like, "What was that about? Ooh, what was that? Ooh, what <laughs> did that mean?" And very, very clearly, th- this this one two punch of Boba goes to get his ship, the the fire spray, and cannot get it. He sees it. He's not dumb. (laughs) Now's not the time. I'm one man in a bantha against his army and I can't do it. And that, of course, that's a big theme moment. But I think one of the bigger theme moments is is right after that where he and the bantha are are, are sitting there at the campfire and she's hungry and he shares his food. That's a cute little animal moment, but that's a big moment of him just kind of like, yep, oh, this is great. This is great. Oh, yeah, I'm not alone. Oh, yeah, I got something with me and I got to. Oh, yeah. Connections. Other people thinking outside myself. And I think that just starts driving this theme forward. Yeah,
4: that was not him writing the bantha to Taco Bell. That was him saying to his buddy, it's about time that we go to Taco Bell together. Right. Like, Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. you know, I think he actually does say, you know, uh, we need food. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So I I think that is a huge one, huge one for me uh, of that's been here in all the episodes, but I think it's really explicit in this episode. I it's all the alone together your stuff, but you're talking about, but I really thought of it is uh kind of the key phrase of connection is strength. Mm -hmm. It's something that we were talking about last week, but Boba is explicit about it, right? In this uh this chapter. He's been showing uh some level of mercy and using honor And through that, building coalitions, the whole show, right? Uh, That's what he did with the Gamorreans. That's what he did with uh, the Mod Kids, the Most Vespa gang. Um, And uh, this episode, he's really explicit as he builds a bond with Fennec that he learned this new way of being from the Tuscans and that he specifically believes that connection is a strength, not a weakness. That great exchange uh, between him and Fennec where she says, living with the Tuscans has made you soft. And he says, no, it's made me strong. You can only get so far without a tribe. Mm -hmm. Is a line that supported everything that's been happening in the previous chapters. And then I think you're so right. There are a bunch of versions of that in this chapter as well, of Boba's bond and kindness to the Bantha, uh, sharing food, and not just uh, sending the Bantha away, but specifically... Encouraging her to mate. <laughs> Not saying, like, hey Bantha, don't go be alone. Make some Bantha babies. Find a nice Bantha and make some Bantha babies. Don't be alone. You Bantha, you need your tribe too, right? Yeah. yeah. And a lot of this, the the um flashback, right, is information that uh we know how it ends. We know that he and Fennec um become bonded. But by going on the journey of his rescuing her with them, we get to see that Fennec is really uncertain about yeah. this idea that connection could be strength and you know like all hunters uh, she is a lone wolf and, and she values that but the longer she stays with him she sees the value in uh, connection being strength and having a tribe and that was really fun to watch you know you go back and watch the episode again with that in mind and look at the moments where things change for mm-hmm. Fennec right you see you see him respecting her, that she calls out, "Let's do this." and he's like, "Great, I'll trust you." Uh, that he reflects back to her like, "I see your value. Your people need brains and muscles, and you actually have both. Uh, and then he actually like offers her loyalty right, and reflects that he cares if she lives or die, lives or dies, which you know, goes back to their initial interaction where she says, "I take it, I'm worth more alive." and the weight with which he says, "You are. Yeah, it's about her, but it's about this whole philosophy as well, you know.
3: Absolutely, I can offer you something no client ever has: loyalty. Great line. They've had they had some wonderful exchanges in this, and I love seeing the journey of Fennec. Yeah, and that was one of the things. Like, well, hey, we Fennec's a great character, but more Fennec, more Fennec, and I think we finally got uh, the amount of Fennec that uh, that Fennec deserves in this episode. And I love what you said too. I want to highlight this uh, as well of just uh, the. the the, the truth of what Boba Fett is saying. He's not, it, it reminds me that, we, you, you know, I talk about that favorite moment in Most Wanted, the Ray Carson Young uh, Solo and Kira book of, of what Kira really learns He's Han is good is he's not saying something to her that she's like, oh, you're right, I am smart and good. He is seeing what she actually is and acknowledging it and reflecting it back on her. Uh, and Fennec knows she's these things. She knows she's smart. She knows she's she's muscle as well. Uh, and to actually finally have someone acknowledge it and see it, that's where this, uh, to me, the connection really grew right there in that moment.
4: Yeah, and I think we see that, you know, respect for, for Fennec Shand in the fact that she's kind of in better shape. Uh, Boba's trying to get there, but I think that line that he has about uh, his ship that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she's, uh, all systems are go, but she's a little rusty, uh, I'm paraphrasing uh, about the ship, is also about Boba. So there's this real trust of like, yeah no I, I need you by my side cuz you you uh, really have <laughs> your bleep together Fennec Shand.
3: Yeah. <laughs> she does. A lot of a lot of bleep together in this episode Fennec.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, for me I think with this um this idea that connection is strength there's some great clarity of Fennec's, uh perspective where I think she is seeing that she is experiencing that with Boba she knows that it can be a a uh, strength but I think she's also very world-weary and, like uh boba you can't change everyone you can't trust everyone it worked out for me maybe it's going to work out for these gomorians maybe it's going to work out for this kid it appears to be working out between you and this rancor but uh yeah, other people aren't going to change and i think that was one of the great things of this episode is it was a lot about change we saw boba change we saw fennec change everybody going through these transformations i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about uh farsa guips <laughs> mm-hmm. uh or great uh garza flip right garza flip. Garza uh, yeah <laughs> i flipped them yes uh about her perspective about the world changing mm-hmm. and then i think it's so powerful that we see uh, uh characters who can't change that chrysanthemum can't change that mm-hmm. the families aren't changing they're just gonna be neutral yeah
3: yeah uh no no it's real powerful stuff there and, and i love um I love what Fennec represents for him. In many ways, she is kind of our eyes on this world, too, uh, as, as she's especially early episodes explaining stuff to Boba Fett. I've seen that discussed in places as well, even in our Force Center Discord. So I love that kind of thing with her. But I just love that she is that world weariness uh, is, is it only reinforces some of the choices Boba's making. And I love watching that journey, even though sometimes I might see a scene and I go, well, I know what happens at the end of this. I really enjoy the character journey as they discover this in this moment. And when she says things like, "Hey, you know, fear is pretty good. Have you considered fear? <laughs> uh, and and she still got that in her or still just says, hey, that's a quicker path. And, and, and he's always turned away from that. Or it, it just confirms his choices. That's what I love about their relationship.
4: Yeah. And it set up this great tension of to me of he can change. He's got other people around him who can change and can see that uh, together is better. Uh, But is that, is that going to, you know, all fall apart? Is he has this conflict and where's Fennec going to land? Is that Fennec going to be like, I shouldn't have believed you, you know, (laughs) is it going to be a happy ending to the story? I certainly hope so, but it it raises that tension where she's going to go. There's a possibility where she could go, Hey, I bought into this together could be better. And then everybody backstabbed us. You brought in people and they, you know, our, our backs are full of knives. And, you know, it it really is almost about the, the hope it's hope and fear. It's star Wars. Like that was like, I believe people can change, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't think they can, but I'm going to give it a shot.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah. And sometimes you're right. They might not change. And then uh, we'll see what happens when that, when that happens, when that goes
4: that lack of change happens. Yeah. Where were
3: some other ideas for you? Well, you talked about change. Uh, so I absolutely love what this said. And I've said this before in the show. It actually is something I say in, in my stand-up back, and it's stuff that you and I have talked about off-air, Joseph, about just life and the world. And and a lot of us in the last two to four to five years, just a, a massive amount of change, social, uh, economic, uh, technology can, can keeps rolling forward. I really have this theme uh, that is don't fight change, find your place in change. And this is where this episode just really reached out and spoke to me. And it spoke to me just this fun, weird, wild Star Wars way and a real direct way. Uh, You know, a lot of people might use the term meta, but I got to wonder, too, art emerges from the eras in which it's, uh, you know, uh, created and and this idea of a lot of. Content, a lot of sequels, a lot of shows seem to be commenting on those that cannot change or that times mm-hmm. change, generational change, which is very, you know, just embedded into Star Wars right from the beginning. So to see it on display here, uh, starting with um, the mods and, and the head modifier. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and just, and aren't you a little old to be here carrying over some of the stuff from last week? We know, old man, I know who you are. Um, and even this idea of, uh, you know, aren't you going to cover her up and like uh, what cover up all that beautiful machinery? No, this is a new era. We're going forward and we're proud of a lot of these things that we're discovering. And I thought that was wonderful. And it all, all rolls into to chrysanthemum right we're getting there uh fett can't find his armor he must accept where he is right now something uh big there uh, boba fett talking about wanting to form his own house and and that's changed but the chrysanthemum moment was where it was all just on the table joseph it was all there for all of us we sometimes are chrysanthemum drunk at a bar wanting to fight people experiencing joy right it, it, and it, it is such a great picture of an
4: inability to change explicitly because it's that mm-hmm. it's that rivalry between the Wookiees and the Trandosians right yep. uh there and there might be even more to it, the story uh, mm-hmm. but that idea of just like I literally can't let this past go that this uh, the the relationship that we have together is we do violence to one another the Wookiees and the Trandosians and yeah. I cannot stop that cycle I cannot embrace a different reality at all and yeah. Yeah, that I think that Chris that makes Chris this ticking time bomb that Boba Fett in his, you know, hope and his mercy has brought close
3: yeah dangerously close wonderfully close i think a lot of people are so happy to have chrysanthemum still hanging around and by the way i am too it's, it is very weird to see this wonderful comic book character that's been around for years just have a regular part in this tv show it's yeah it's just really
4: become cool. a major character yeah and it, it it's so great to go back to his first appearance and go oh is that just a cool like we needed a bounty hunter and he yeah. snarled and it was awesome
3: <laughs> yeah
4: and now well, here we are two violent fights later
3: yeah you're, yeah you're so right it's stuck in the cycle and everything and even going back to last week and they showed it in the the Previous on, right? Where we're just like previously on episode, uh, last episode, uh, where uh, you know, take it for me, a former bounty hunter stop working for was it Scud Rats, I think he says Scug Holes, Scug Holes, uh, Scud Rats, uh, I want to see as well, uh, Scug, <laughs> scug Holes, uh, but just it, it, to push in on on Santin's eyes in that moment, when we keep talking about his eyes, the eyes of uh, uh Kerry Jones there at Platinum, uh, to, to uh, to, to see the eyes, and it, it like it, 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 it doesn't register well, registers that it's something maybe he should acknowledge, but Chris Hinton doesn't want to acknowledge it and that's why he's drunk at this bar and to have this pat you're right the Trandoshan passed right in front of him all to roll into this wonderful Garza uh, Garza foot moment uh which because I'm wondering too as this is going, and Bob, you, you see Boba Fett walk in and some comical uh cowboy walks into a bar you know body goes flying at him kind of stuff too take
4: but that you- potted plant
3: <laughs> you're thinking how's this gonna end and to have it be Garza Uh, In this real powerful moment, someone who is in really uh, control of her sanctuary there, uh, making these wonderful points. And I I wrote the one down of thousands once cheered such a display. But those days have passed in this more civilized places, more civilized times. What was once celebrated in bloodlust, the bloodlust in the arena is now seen as horror and cruelty. And that can go to a lot of places uh, wherever you want to take it. You can, like I said, it can be meta to the YouTube comments. It could be those who are like, where's my badass Boba Fett? And, and, and it could also be just taken to us in our own lives. And I really took it in our own lives. Not that I fought in arenas, but just that growth and there and your art and your communication, your comedy and everything. And it's like you could be the one that butts your head against the wall or you could find your place in this uh, this new world uh, and, and and thrive, not just survive. And and it's like I'm cheering for Kersantin. Just put put the trend Ocean down. Don't rip his arm off pay the bar tab and go, go, go be friends with some Boba Fett. Go be friends, go be friends, find a new life. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel
4: like I'm really interested to see if that's where the story is going. You're right. It has so many levels. It can be taken so many ways. I think that you can even take it in uh, the actual story of star Wars, right? This is uh, the new Republic. Isn't there every day, every moment on Tatooine, they got their own system, but the empire's fallen. It's a new dawn. the The huts don't have control. Job of the hut, you know, is not ruling with a uh, fear anymore. Bib Fortuna was barely holding it together, and you know, there's this this feeling that Garza Flip is, you know, she's trying to manipulate this situation to her best advantage. Of like, look, not everything has to change. We're still gambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is still crime. We're still making money. You know, but do we have to do it in this way that's so almost self-destructive right of like it's it's a different version it's not just like Pollyanna uh Mm -hmm. let's all link arms and everything will be fine it's like look there's always going to be conflict uh things are always going to be hard but why are we going to inflict this on ourselves I have this nice operation here which you know it's not the skeezy you know (laughs) Chalman's Cantina nobody wants blood anywhere these are nice people with money Yeah, (laughs) You know, and why would you need to disrupt that? And then even more importantly, like, Chrysanthemum, what are you getting out of this? What's going to happen to you if you don't get out of this cycle? You know, like, you. I love that that's the way she framed it for him, was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people love you. You've won everything you can. But if you just keep doing that, you're only going to be hurting yourself, is I feel like kind of what was underneath that.
3: Yeah, stasis is a, is an emotional death.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, i uh, You you picked out a, a bunch of the uh, the exact same quotes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I did. I think it's so great. I think one of the other elements of change is I felt this this ep- episode, this chapter, uh, had a really visceral theme of like rebirth of mm-hmm. not just adapting to change, but being willing to physically and emotionally transform yourself and lots of imagery that to me was really about rebirth, right? This is uh, about Fennec's death and that she is, you know, literally modified and brought back from the brink of death, brought back and given a second chance, right? Mm -hmm. Even literally a shot of a new kind of blood, two different kinds of blood now uh, pump through her, right? right? And then when she gets this second chance, when she comes back to life, she could have just, taken up a uh, Boba on the offer and just being dropped off or run away. But she gives herself a chance to try something new and be part of something more. It's a total rebirth for her.
3: I absolutely love this idea. It connects with this other thing I had of this true healing. We literally hear the line. Congratulations, master vet. You are completely healed. What about the scars on the inside? Those will take longer. <laughs> and we were talking about that in episode one, chapter one, just uh, good to see that the healing goes on and it's a longer process. I love what you're uh, saying, t- tying uh, this to uh Rebirth, even even uh, little on a little level for me was uh, Boba Fett just kind of correctly saying, "Hey, my my armor, my armor says a lot that I sometimes uh, you know I can say, but no one's going to listen unless it's the armor." But having to uh, literally search, go spelunking into the Sarlacc, and, and not be able to find it in this moment, and still know when he needs it, like you said, it, it he, you know sometimes uh, the big goals remain the same, but how you get there is different. And and uh, I love just him emerging new uh, from his uh, lessons in the desert.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I think there are a lot of moments for, of transformation for Boba Fett throughout this, and it's probably still more to come, but I think uh, we've been following in the past the story of him kind of reclaiming his, his warrior status, and in the present, we're watching him try to be the leader that he wants to be, and I feel like this episode has a little sense of, of resolution up to a point on both of those things, right? That mm-hmm. um, in the past he's got to take this next step to kind of re-enter his old world, to get his ship back, to get his armor back, to take the next step on the journey that he wants to. And there's some pretty uh, literal kind of images of, yeah, like having to stare down into the hell that destroyed him and to have to like mm-hmm. go back to that hell and then literally kind of emerge um, from, uh, you know, the the Sarlacc is like a kind of uh, rebirth. The fact that he, uh, is told by his uh, valet droid there that he has completed his healing process and he is literally emerging from what we've been talking about uh, since the beginning of a, a womb like amniotic uh, back to pod, right? Uh, that he is in this episode, he is all caught up on, on rethinking the past, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think the past stories are done. Maybe we'll get more flashbacks, but for me, that line of you're all healed now seemed to indicate mm-hmm emotionally he's reviewed everything he needs to and he is fully in the present moment he is fully reborn from warrior to leader
3: yeah yeah and look could there be other timeline stuff yeah absolutely we could see some more but i I think you're right it didn't just catch up to it in timeline it caught up to it emotionally where i think the boba fett we know now we, we we see that journey more
4: yeah and, and and it that's kind of made explicit in chapter one when he says you know uh, the dreams are back right that he's yeah. having a hard time moving past this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now it seems like uh he has and uh, I'm very interested to see how it goes if there are any more flashbacks uh it felt to me like that was a kind of resolution uh, how I mean obviously timeline wise we, we caught up to the story that we know but mm. how did you feel like that did you feel like oh, that's not going to be the structure of the show now we're gonna be in the present for the most part?
3: I think we might've moved past it. Uh, I, and, and I, and I'm definitely okay with that. Uh, uh, you know, um, there, I guess there could be little, uh, things around the corner, uh, you know, with Cobb Vance and Din or whatever you want to say, there could be some more of that, but I just, again, it just seems more than just even timeline, just emotionally, we don't need to go back because Boba Fett doesn't need to go back anymore.
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last big uh, theme or idea for me is I thought there was more clarity on life and death. And this has been in Boba's attitude toward it, right? It, I feel like this has been a question since he returned in Mandalorian, in particular, you know, the tragedy episode where we're seeing this very honorable Boba of like uh, fate uh, steps in to rescue the wretched. Mm-hmm. I rescued Fennec. We're bonded. Hey, we don't need to fight a Mandalorian. If you uh, help me get my armor back, I'll protect your child. And he seems like, wow. What an honorable guy who thinks working together is better, who doesn't want to fight. And then the stormtroopers come and he's like, hello, death. Yes, (laughs) Die a thousand times, stormtroopers, right? So there's this great contrast. And I think it's had that question of like, where is he at? And I thought this episode had a lot of great things to show, like that Boba Fett values life, just like Mm. the idea of it, right? Yeah. Um, Obviously losing the Tuscans is personal for him. But the fact that he says... I tried to help them, and instead I got them massacred by Nikto speed bikers, right? There's this sense of this utter loss and maybe his own culpability for it, and that that's the last thing he wants is a is a loss of life, particularly if it's his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when he's arguing with uh, Fennec Shannard, kind of making his point, uh, I love these quotes of where he says, I'm tired of working for idiots who are going to get me killed, right? right, right. <laughs> There's this idea that uh, the way business has been conducted, uh, uh, like Garcia Fwip is talking about, is just a bunch of, you know, the um, the royalty are moving the pawns around and the pawns are slaughtering each other to no point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got that great quote about how much money could be made, how many lives could be saved. Yeah. And particularly when he said how many lives could be saved, that wasn't super personal. That wasn't about I might lose my life. That wasn't my family lost my life. That's was him, I think, agreeing with Garza Fwip of like, the hell's the point of all this slaughter when we can do everything we want to do without the constant slaughter
3: mm. yeah
4: mm. so i i guess for me i took it from a perspective of like in an ideal situation to boba's taste uh, death and violence doesn't have to be a part of it but then there's definitely some death <laughs> in this episode.
3: Well, yeah, I guess if, uh, if you deserve it from his point of view, and so far everyone has, right. Uh, uh, that, yeah. And to, to look at that uh, Mando, um, season two episode. Yeah. And just his reaction to Stormtroopers, his reaction to the empire, uh, when he, he says, Oh, they're back. It just yeah, he, 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 he is, uh, in his own way has chosen sides there. And that, and it goes to this idea of you said it to just even the change it, it is, uh, not naive change. It is like, look around. We we can still have what we want, but if you're tearing bricks down at the bottom of the foundation of this building here, what, what's, what's that good? What, what good does that do for you, me and anyone? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And I just thought that that's what makes him an interesting character in a, a, a great, uh, a reason that I enjoy this show that is a, a, in some ways a character study about him of, there are definitely to me, some mirrors with the Jedi of the Jedi have such a philosophy of let's protect life. Um, mm-hmm. All life is sacred. I we do not want violence. We do not want conflict of any kind. Uh, we will only have conflict if it's defense. And if you really uh, are going to keep hurting people, we're going to ask you to stop. <laughs> and then we go to uh, you know verbal warning, uh, hand, head. Uh, in terms of the cutoff order that I've joked about with the Jedi, but it it feels a little bit like Boba's like that. Of like in an ideal situation, uh, no violence. Mm. But then violence is a part of the reality. Like, he, obviously, uh, I don't think he's as tortured as the Jedi. And mm. vengeance is on the table. And that's what was great about this episode. So many moments of uh, mercy, connection. Let's not lose lives. Unless you've crossed me and you have it coming, then here you go in spades, right? Yeah. Uh, to see that contrast where you're like, how many lives could be saved versus taking out the Nikto gang? Uh, <laughs> it's somewhat practical, but still, I'm, I'm going to till this that that Sarlacc beast is gonna die i mean that one i know is practical and fennec does it but i think on a thematic level it's still like everything that's hurt me dies you know he's yeah. got he's got no uh, uh at all hesitation about bib for right saying mm-hmm. i'm yeah. gonna kill that bloated big that double crossed me that he's really fine with vengeance and he is really fine with death but within when he deems it necessary and other than that he wants to <laughs> build coalitions
3: Yeah well and look look at his past And when he says I'm tired of working for idiots who are going to get me killed You know I think of Django you know, I would, you know, Duke is a very smart gentleman. Yes. But uh, got him killed. <laughs> you know, there's a, he's yeah. carrying that scar around. I uh, think, you know, as, his, as he watches his dad, you uh, know, fly off. Uh, I know that's not necessarily the, the moment he's leaving to go to the Petronaki arena there, but yeah, you know, it's just like this idea of my dad, my dad's j- job was this and he worked for idiots and he got killed for it. And I want to break that cycle too.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, Boba's had his, his times where like, yeah, like, these games where they all, Vader sends us out to compete against each other. You know, I'm not all count, caught up on the uh, the uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, but, like, I, I think from Boba's perspective, like, did that did that stuff have to happen? Like, yeah. what do we want to have happen? And I, I think that's becoming much more clear, too. I, I have kind of made that assumption knowing more about Boba's history, but I like that it's becoming more clear in the actual show that, like, I'm tired of working for dishonorable people who do not say what they mean directly are happy to backstab are happy to set people against each other who don't need to be set against each other when they could accomplish the same goal without causing all this pain and suffering.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: And I'm going to, I, and I'm not going to rule like that. I, you know, the Tuscans showed me it doesn't have to be that way. They could have killed me. uh, You know, and I'm, I'm going to create a different way.
3: Yeah, which to me has been just kind of uh, just buried in the in the DNA of the show from from chapter one on, and and I uh, you know I I personally think the motivations of Boba Fett have been pretty clear from the start, but uh, I think this might be been an episode for folks to see to just to finally hear Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do, uh, and this is what has been done to me. What I want to change. Yeah, exactly.
4: And I think there's uh, still more to come with that. Any other uh, thoughts on the uh, themes or central ideas of this chapter uh, before we go to the, the bigger picture?
3: I think the last one I, I want to, we'll transition it in a little bit of just, and we talked about a little bit, it's, it's, you talked about the connection and, 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 and strength through connection. And I was talking about, uh, you know, together versus alone, but uh, all of this, love it, the big Star Wars theory of, of fighting for something, uh, yourself, others, uh, causes uh, something beyond just your own uh, own egotistical goals in the center, choosing a side, so to speak. And Boba Fett is, is choosing a big side and that definitely is a, a Star Wars theme.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great, uh big Star Wars theme. What other uh, larger Star Wars uh, themes or morality or perspective did you see reflected in this chapter?
3: Uh, I, I there's this idea the choice of community and connection, but also this idea of pushing towards the the light. Uh, we often talk about the Force works in many different ways, and I think a lot of people have been uh, seeing this now in Star Wars content. And I'm not saying uh, uh, Boba Fett's going to suddenly uh, you know go to Jedi school uh, should he uh, get a brochure from Luke uh, after Grogu, uh, but yeah, it just—it just—it's part of that big uh, Star Wars morality there, and and how it's down to a micro level, uh, and the choices uh, you 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 do, and you know always, uh, you know, light side builds as we say, and unless you're a Nikto biker gang who's caused uh, some dark side problems, not built you up. Uh, so I love just seeing Boba Fett kind of making those uh, choices, and, and in many ways going with his feelings.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think there are some comparisons to be made on the Jedi philosophy. I don't think Boba is about to, to sign up. <laughs> no. I, don't, I don't think he's reciting the code anytime soon. I think it's just interesting that there are uh, similarities, uh, kind of a shattered mirror version of the Jedi, because clearly he's fine with vengeance. Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, probably still has some issues with the Jedi to resolve
4: I'm sure he's got some some strong Jedi feelings. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we talked about it a lot, but, you know, the stronger together is such a huge theme of Star Wars from the Ewoks to uh, Padme reaching out to the Gungans to all of the moments of Rise of Skywalker of like, yeah, we're we're going to go alone together. There are more of us, Bo. like just, there's so many places that it's reflected in star Wars. And it's really interesting to see that evolution uh, where a hunter, someone has been told that uh, what they're good for is fighting, what they're good for is fighting alone. And their only strength is strength is ripping arms off when they see their enemy in a bar. That's your only strength uh, to have somebody go, no, I think there's this other version of strength Mm -hmm. is a huge star Wars theme to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the idea of like return and rebirth and completing a journey, that's just everywhere in Star Wars. I think mm-hmm. that's really, you know, one of the parts of Book of Boba Fett that makes it tied to the history of Star Wars to me, of it it's tapping into those kind of classic storytelling themes, very mythic uh storytelling themes of, you know, this this episode remind me of, you know, Anakin's uh, rebirth into Vader, his, his dark rebirth into Vader, and his mm-hmm. uh, rebirth into the light as Anakin, you know? Luke's proud, I am a Jedi moment. Like, I went through all this, and I made it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot about Rise of Skywalker was uh, all the main characters, Ray, Finn, Poe, uh, confronting a, a little bit of who they were in the past, and somebody inviting them to go, you could come back here, you could stay there, and them all rejecting it, and going, nope, nope, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to move into the future. It's just such a, a, a big idea in Star Wars and in a lot of storytelling, but since Star Wars has this big um, mythic storytelling DNA that return, rebirth, completion. I really like those vibes.
3: Oh yeah, it's, it's, I love following those journeys again. And it's like, um, to me the, the, the true villains in Star Wars, there's a lot of redemption in Star Wars and sometimes at the end, you know, uh, a, a, a character you were rooting against suddenly you're like, well, you know, I guess I, I got it. They made a nice decision and I got to follow it down. But I think there's a lot of characters in Star Wars who are bad from beginning to end because they don't change. They stick where, where, where they are. There is no emotional growth, no emotional, uh, push forward. And it's the big power grabs. It is Palpatine, the ultimate evil. I think of, uh, Hucks, no, no no real growth everything done out of uh, you know vengeance and desire to destroy and, and i think star wars has those examples of, of villains from beginning to end and i think boba fett someone who was viewed correctly i think is a villain for so long and still has mm-hmm. some dark traits and again they're, they're they're like hey everyone work together and the drug trade will be all right here <laughs> so there's some things to talk about but uh i, I do love this journey that, that star wars has taken on us uh, taken us on with this character
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the way this story is told connects to other Star Wars stories, too, that uh, you're saying so many great things about change, and then it really invites that question. of like, okay, well, how do you do it? You have that great phase about, you know, don't fight the change, find your place in it. Like, okay, well, how do people do that? And I feel like what this show is showing us is through these flashbacks, Boba Fett has a willingness to explore past trauma. Not just go, ah, no, nah, uh, right. I was wrong. It's everybody else's fault, right? Like that's Vader and Kylo Ren's line when they're not willing to look back at their own past trauma and just stay on the path that they're on, right? Mm-hmm. Anakin was weak, so I killed him. Ben was weak, so I killed him, Right. Uh, And this is so Boba Fett literally staring down, uh, you know, in in specific shots into the mouth of his pain in the Sarlacc to remember being vulnerable to admit, yeah, I was a little kid who was sad when my dad left. That willingness to explore trauma gives him the strength to move on from it. And that reminds me of like Luke in The Last Jedi and, you know, Obi-Wan. I think we're going to see a lot of this of I got to accept what went wrong and I got to explore my part in it in order to move past it
3: some strong mental health lessons here in the book of books
4: (laughs) exactly exactly um last big big thing for me that reminded me of other uh, big themes in star wars is we talk a lot about uh on the podcast about kind of the flowing in the organic versus the rigid in the mechanical and sometimes that has literal representations in star wars going back to Luke using the targeting computer, a literal mechanical machine, versus trusting his instincts. And the the old ghost man suddenly whispering in his ear. <laughs> um, but this is a great episode uh, where it is not even remotely uh, literal; it's totally spiritual, right? Yes. Even the uh, the characters, the mods who are literally adding uh, mechanical parts to their organic body, that is presented is in argument for change in adaptation of like by adding these mechanical elements we are actually being more uh flowing and you know spiritually organic in that we are open to change and open to new ideas
3: uh yes absolutely to me as, as uh, how much of it is you know Star Wars not reclaiming uh that narrative in, in a different way uh, or rewording it, it it's actually it's, it's almost like two separate things for me you know the you know vader and half man half machine is a different lesson but this is like the, the machine side it, it doesn't have to own you it can now be a strength and, and take to take uh, to take that fear to take that the literal scars of, of uh your past or or, or, or mistakes and and Flip the narrative. Uh, flip the narrative on it is is almost kind of one of those things you were talking about of of uh, facing the trauma and everything. But I, I just I just took some of it. Whether or not all of that is baked into every little word uh, written in, in the scripts by Favreau, uh, no, I don't I don't I don't think so. But I just really think it flows nicely in some of those bigger things.
4: Absolutely, and it's just a part of Star Wars being a big tapestry. It is going to talk to itself. <laughs> sometimes I think on purpose from the creators. In yeah. uh, sometimes because it's just such a vast tapestry, it all these little connections are going to emerge. Uh, so any other uh, big ideas before we move on?
3: No, no. Uh, I definitely want to get to Bantha kisses and licks.
4: <laughs> so, uh, the chapter of this one, the chapter title, uh, "The Gathering Storm." Did that chapter title have uh, extra depth to you, or did you feel like it was uh, pretty straightforward?
3: I, look on one, on one hand i'll say this one's pretty straightforward and and we are uh, really set up for the storm we want the storm now mm-hmm. i don't know but there's just some stuff i love digging into the times a little bit with clone wars and 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 bad batch on this one it's actually been real fun and and I, I i think uh i i i think you know it's not just what's coming and what fight is coming it is uh, the, this inability of some to to change and the 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 change that's going to be crashing against the those that refuse to change is is the true war for me versus just an actual fight with the pikes that's coming so I, I like that as well Sand. Will he change? The oceans don't look like they can. The Aquilish, eh, maybe I think they can be convinced. Uh, you know, there's that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we we have hope
4: for the Aquilish. Maybe that will be the the next chapter title. Yeah, I, I agree. This one was uh, good and moody and straightforward. I think it was about yeah yeah violence is coming, war is coming, but also uh, Boba's uh, you know to steal uh, terminology from the Nile and the High Republic. He's gathering his storm. He's gathering his crew. Totally. Was there anything in this chapter that you disliked or questioned?
3: Um, there was two, well, one, one might be a lore or non lore connection, but I'll, I'll, I'll submit it here. Yeah. Um, it, it, this, this question I've already seen it go around of like, well, where did his spurs go? Right. We, we definitely didn't hear the spurs. Uh, and I just love, um, because the real answers, well, the book of Boba Fett didn't exist when they, put together that scene in season one of Mando. Uh, Now we got a different way to tell the story. And that's just a wonderful Star Wars tradition. We are the unreliable narrators is the way I look at it there. So I think it's fun to discuss and fun to look at. I replayed the scene a few times. Like, well, I guess the crunching of the sand kind of is, but I I would say the spurs aren't there for my money. I don't know if anyone disagrees. Did Um, you
4: compare to uh, chapter five of season one of uh, Mando to to hear the sound
3: difference? uh, I I didn't do it directly. I didn't directly. I just was seeing some conversations. So I haven't had a chance to fully research it yet.
4: Yeah, I don't actually trust my ears because when I realized that's what we were seeing, that was the scene that we're going to tell the story of Boba rescuing Fennec. I thought I heard <laughs> Spurs, but it might have been the power of suggestion that I turned Sand Crunch into Spurs in my mind.
3: I, look, I think I was making the Spurs in my head. I was just, <laughs> uh, but, but my whole point of this is I don't even dislike it or question it. Uh, uh, or uh, I, I, well, I, On one level, I'm like, You know, if you know that's part of it, in fact, you know, under the helmet, they spend a lot of time on the Spurs and they show that scene. Yeah. (laughs) And Ben Burt's talking about it. Um, So we know it's there. Again, the reality is now they get to retell the story. This is not not unlike Filoni reworking parts of the Ahsoka novel from E.K. Johnston, because now he can. Uh, I think that's part of Star Wars tradition. You can make your your Leia uh, remembering her mom jokes here now if you want. But uh, uh, I was I just it made me think about a lot. Uh, Just like, hey, I just wouldn't have tracked to have the spurs unless unless you went to the Tuscan supply store and got spurs. Um, but it was an interesting moment. An interesting moment, and and about uh, moving forward and growing with the story.
4: I think there have always been bone spurs, and maybe he's healed yes. up. I don't know. Yes, yes. Uh, what was the other one? Um, you said there was two things that you had.
3: There was the two. Oh gosh, what did? Um, uh, you know what? It was. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. There yeah, it is. Um, I want to discuss a little bit of 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 uh pacing right and 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 i think it's easy to say and it's not incorrect to say there's the show has its own pace Mm -hmm. uh and there were some longer sequences here uh i've already heard a few people even our buddy alex just uh damon discussing the the long kind of longer drawn out uh scene on fennec and i think that does pop up from time to time in this um in this show but I, i i i again i i think this show just really has its own ideas of what what it wants to do and i i i really enjoyed that part of it there some of the stuff does seem long but then again the ig11 rebuilding monologue seemed long and i think that's the core of the ap- absolute season one of uh absolute core of season one of mandalorian you know so i don't think this the rebuilding of fennec necessarily was but the highlight on it um was important as well so anyways i know that conversation comes up and i just watched eternals which had a lot of uh, you know pacing questions around it I think that comes up a lot but I just think it's it's the way the story this story wants to be told
4: yeah I I really agree with that and I totally respect anybody who watches it and just has the you know subjective taste opinion of that's uh too slow uh for me um or you know you wait a week and you're really excited about what happens next so, so I think that can add to it if you're really hungry for what happens next you want this scene to wrap up because you kind of figure I know what's going on in it. And like I, I really understand that but for myself I think that uh there can sometimes be a sort of in in agreement of exactly how long a scene should be you know this is a thing that I encounter um you know trying to work in the industry of writing of this is exactly how long a scene should be on page number you know there can be kind of best practices uh, Mm -hmm. to make things the way that most people expect them to be and I think for me as as a writer and as a viewer I want to respect those rules when they really make sense to me but if I want to create something different, I don't want to be beholden to the sort of the the average, the the yeah. general common denominator agreed on. That's about the length, right? Yeah. For me, what is powerful in lots of bits of Mandalorian and certainly in Book of Boba Fett is if you stay in a scene longer and you're really in, in, in and you have the audience really engaged, you'll start to feel things more. If you watch Boba slowly ride a bantha you'll get into the rhythm of that. And, and, and for me, when, when I can have the patience to let myself do that, I get so much more out of it because I feel more connected to it. I feel that rhythm. I start to feel the the itch of the sand and the the heat of the sun because I'm in it. And like the Fennec rebuilding scene for me is I'm watching that now through Boba's eyes, right? Where this is, this is his opportunity. This is where he can bring her. And he's watching what it means. It's not just the plot hey she got saved this is how they stuck some uh you know organic stuff mm-hmm. in her guts it's watching the pride of that guy it's the listening to the music it's the guy switching out his own arm to, yeah. to to show the value of it the the you know the art of it you know to show the pride of it of like i'm not just saving her life i am making her something different she is being reborn right mm-hmm. and building up to that to me final great shot of the the blue fluid in the blood and now she is something more and different and i get more out of that because i I get more of those thoughts flowing through me because i have the time to sit in that scene and think about those things
3: yeah i'm with you on, on, on that because it's kind of what i was talking about earlier of even though sometimes i might know the end result say uh you know um and or we know he dies. Right. <laughs> right. Um, there's still great value in going back and revisiting his journey. I think there's something, something that same kind of vibe. And what I'm talking about here, where when you're really sitting with the scene. So I, I don't think it's um, it's fair to bring up the pacing. I, I I think it's not necessarily pacing issues. It's just pacing differences.
4: Uh, I really agree with that. I think it is slower than standard uh, pacing. And if that is something that people don't like, I totally understand and appreciate that. And I just wanted to offer my perspective about what I get out of it is it is about sitting in it and letting your mind wander and therefore get deeper into the scene. Let your mind wander not away from the scene,
3: but into the scene. Yeah, and 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 that's it. That's the thing. It's like it's it's it, you're seeing something that is there. You're not imagining it. The pacing is just different. It doesn't mean a scene can't go a little second longer here, there, and that. You know, I'm not a great editor, but there's a lot of choices you make as an editor to say like eh, end here, and here. But you're right. I, I I think it it does not. Again, this show is not beholden to any formula but its own right now.
4: Yep. And a lot a lot of times Star Wars is edited to be the whiz bang adventure. Right. And sometimes for some tastes, it even gets too fast. The Rise of Skywalker uh, paces is too much whiz bang adventure serial uh, uh, speed, not enough uh, conversations, not enough lingering um, for a lot of people. But I but I think that was truly the intent of that film. And I think the intent of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett is much more. Uh, Western, much more like indie film exploration of characters that just slow down and spend some time with Boba. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think for me, this isn't something I disliked, but it's a thought that I'm fascinated by, so I just wanted to bring it up uh, real quickly uh, and we'll go to break here, is I did feel like this episode, it it requires watching Mandalorian. Like, you could absolutely, Uh or maybe I'll phrase that as a question. I feel like it's possible that it requires watching Mandalorian. You could watch this episode and you could know everything that happened. You could know, yeah. ah, he searched for his armor in the Sarlacc and he didn't find it. Uh, I guess he found it somewhere else because he's yeah. got it now. Um, but I feel like if you had not seen The Mandalorian and were just trying to watch Book of Boba Fett, you, a viewer might be a little bit like, but he, put, he said so much about getting his armor back. Where did he get it? How did he find it? You know?
3: Right. Yeah, no, How do you feel about that? I, I think it's there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's there. Um, yeah, it's one of the things It's like, I'll never know, right? Because <laughs> I've seen Mandalorian and those those flares come up and I went, ah. Um, yeah, and, and it hits all the points where you're not completely lost. You can fill in the blanks, but it's definitely, it's the, hey, it's the catalyst Rogue One argument, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, it's intriguing to me because um, the Mandalorian, especially the season one, was so celebrated for it's an entry point to Star Wars. And I think, yeah, you, you're you not totally lost. You can figure mm-hmm. out exactly what's going on, certainly emotionally and practically you have the answers. Like, oh, he looked and he, he found, well, we saw the Jawas take it. So uh, I guess he got it back from the Jawas. Like, um, I don't think you're totally lost, but I feel like it is structured with the assumption that the massive majority of viewers uh, has watched The Mandalorian.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, uh yeah, uh, Star Wars is probably from always going to be that, right?
4: Yep, I think there's always going to be an element of that. Uh, Maybe there'll be some uh, new jumping on points, but there's always going to be an element of that. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into some of the canon lore connections, action moments, comedy moments, all sorts of great stuff. We
1: will be back in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
4: And we are back to continue our discussion of Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett. We are going to dive into some of the canon lore connections to other stories. Uh, Ken, I tried to track some down and uh, want to ask your opinion about them and see uh, if there's any that you jumped, in, j- jumped up in front of your face and <laughs> grabbed you. Uh, I really like seeing the Bantha carcass in the sands mm. early on because we've seen a lot of carcasses. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the sands of Tatooine, how did you feel about seeing a bantha carcass?
3: Uh, well, now again, my my uh, apparent super sized love of banthas is just off the charts here. So now, now it kind of breaks my heart. But now it's Tatooine bones in in the on the Tatooine desert is uh, it's something I need to see.
4: Yeah, and I also just for me, I liked it right off the back because it was a little bit of, like a canon thing of like, oh, this is a tradition that goes back to a new New Hope with dragon bones, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also really framed it right away as uh, Tatooine is harsh. This is an episode about life and death and there's a living bantha walking by a dead bantha (laughs) is, you know, real on the nose
3: circle of life.
4: The circle of life. Uh, next thing I noted is uh, getting to see the Gomorians in uh, their guard outfit yeah. that we know from Return of the Jedi, and uh, there's been a lot of uh, passionate Gamorian feelings about. <laughs> you can, you <laughs> yeah. can form teams. Are you are you team topless Gomorians? Are you team classic leather shirt Gomorians? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, and I also liked that they had the very prominent uh, Kenner axe that came with the uh, Gamorian guard action figure which can be seen in Return of the Jedi, but not super clearly. And they did have them, uh, the Gamorians did have them in the arena in uh, Mandalorian Season 2. But for me, it was just kind of a treat uh, having that action figure back in the day to see, yep, traditional uh, uniform with the Kenner Axe specifically.
3: Yeah, no, I loved it. And and, and the the Gamorreans in Mando and, and Boba Fett, have, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of conversations around, around them. The fighting ones in Mando season two i still like those i guess i just had to accept that those are taller thinner gamorian guards they're in better shape there um and even our our, our, our old pal jennifer landa put out a great tiktok video uh, and youtube short about the differences and i, I think you all should check it out the scene the it was a real treat to see the old style joseph and it made me like the shirtless ones even more
4: <laughs> they they are embracing change right yeah absolutely Gamorreans can be topless. Yeah. Uh, I also really loved going into, of course, the uh, the kitchen of Jabba's palace, uh, Boba's palace now, uh, Bibb's palace then, uh, and seeing some familiar droids. Uh, we saw the COO series cook droid, which is like the one on the Genderian Valley refugee ship in Attack of the Clones uh, That is uh, that R2 is getting food for to bring to Anakin and Padme. Uh, so that was uh, cool to see.
3: Absolutely. I love it. And we, we, you know, I'll make my weekly Favreau uh, in the kitchen joke there. He loves uh, cooking as do I. So it was fun to see an action. And again, I think it's, it's, I love this thing of Favreau, who has at times been outspoken about, ah, I don't know about the prequels. Here's a prequel track. And in, in particular,
4: Attack of the Clones, Book of Boba Fett keeps ju- pulling specifically from Attack of the Clones, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. really great. And I actually just really like the design of that droid, it, the, the mm-hmm. weird different head and just all the multi arms. It's one of those droids that like, you know, I've had friends over the years who've made the jokes of like, uh, why, why is... C three PO just like the human thing. Like, right. wouldn't there be more, uh, you know, practical applications of droids? Like, yeah, look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at this cook series droids. It just has a bunch of cooking arms.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
4: Uh, then uh, it, it was a sad beat, uh, but it looked like that frog that uh, the cook droid uh, slaps <laughs> down to this dude did look like the same ones that uh, <laughs> that Grogu is uh, snacks on on Sorgan.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. More life is a circle.
4: More life is a circle. Uh, and then, of course, uh, what is labeled in the subtitles, the sous-chef droid is the same model as EV-99 in yeah. EV-series. That is not EV-99 because EV-99 is busy at Chalmers Canteen. That's right.
3: Or maybe, maybe EV-99 is you know, pulling double duty. Times are tough. But yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, similar voice, too. But yeah, I love seeing that.
4: Yeah. Uh, and then a big one, I think, for us, I... I squealed, Ken. Uh, I almost woke my wife, I'm sure, as she was sleeping in the bedroom and I was watching at midnight. Uh, The LEP droid or rabbit droid, which uh, first appeared in the Clone Wars and appeared everywhere in the Clone Wars doing many different things. Just a delightful little weirdo of a (laughs) droid. I loved seeing uh, that droid spring from animation into live action and have... A very interesting scene with Boba Fett.
3: Very. And then to to know that uh, Boba keeps him around, he turns turns it back on at one point, clearly, because he's there uh, at the meeting there at the end. So, or maybe it's another one, but I'm going to choose to think it's the same, same one. I loved it. I love seeing it again. uh, Grace slipped for it. She has uh, maybe seen 10 seconds of the Clone Wars when she's passed in the living room. So no, no connection to that. Just seeing it uh, as a brand new droid uh, really brought joy for her. And just to see it, me and it, you know, it looks so good. a good little, little, um, almost like a little, uh, stop motion, almost a little bit, a little film studio action going on there. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it was great, yeah. And really making the most of those, uh,
4: ear things, uh, to, to convey emotion, right?
3: That little mouth,
4: <laughs> the little mouth, it's so great. I think for me, um, is somebody who uh, grew up with the original trilogy, grew up with that aesthetic that uh, was capable of being created back then and then the prequels came out and there's lots of different sort of uh, different shapes and sizes and some things that are even more cute or weird Uh, and having a little bit of resistance to that back in the day and then coming around to just entirely embracing it it just makes me so happy to watch a kind of cute weird little prequel era aesthetic uh, character uh, just shuffling around in the same place as you know ev99
3: yeah, no. Look, there, there would have been a point maybe ten years ago that I would have watched this scene and said, "This is ridiculous. This does not belong in Star Wars. Star Wars is not cute and funny." Anyways, I'm gonna go watch Return of the Jedi on Ewoks again. Like that, that, <laughs> that would have been me. I, I really loved it. Good awkward comedy, really awkward comedy. Uh, played well by FedEx of you know. Get done here. Can we go? Uh, I loved everything about that.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's I, just great. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, those beats a little bit more when we get to comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Uh, and along those lines, uh, we got to see uh, one of those double-wide gonks uh, called the Plunk, mm-hmm. or PLNK, yep. <laughs> droid. Yep. Uh, and then it was... Used very well in a very tactical video game way of like, ah, bad guys, you stood by the explosive. I'm going to shoot it from far away.
3: <laughs> yes, I wrote down in my notes rest in power, Plunk Droid. Rest
4: in, power. <laughs> rest in double wide power, Plunk Droid. Uh, I also just like seeing uh, the skiffs, uh, yes, seeing a yes. skiff in the garage, seeing a skiff wreckage in the sands. how do you feel about that?
3: I, I love seeing it. Oh, oh my gosh, by the, 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 the wreckage of, uh, next to the Sarlacc, I have uh, freeze, uh, freeze-framed that <laughs> so many times this morning and just looked through it and just it had a, a Star Wars nerd chill dream, daydream of just like Lan and Han and Luke were on that. And that's where Boba Fett hit and he tumbled it. Oh, my. I loved that shot. It was a great perspective, just flying over it like you're in a helicopter, not the fire spray. Loved all that there. Uh, I, I, it was great. And I could, sp- I could spend the whole day touring Jabba's Palace. I wanted that oh. little little droid to fly around and give me the schematics of everything.
4: Oh, right. That was definitely like one of those, also a kind of a video game moment where it feels like, okay, well, you're supposed to be doing that tactically. But I, I would probably, if I was piloting that, just go around weird places yeah. and stare yeah. at things. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there is the uh, great line from Fennec Shan of uh, the mayor's major domo was singing like a yuzum. <laughs> yuzum, of course, being the species of the controversial singer in the special edition of Return of the Jedi, Joe Yowza.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, singing like a yuzum, which is great then because uh, the the shot that not everyone is a fan of, understandably, where Joe Yowza sings uh, right into the camera and you see down his throat. <laughs> you get to imagine a shot like that with the major domo, yeah.
3: which is fun. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
4: Uh, final one. I, I had to write down from you. Uh, I had already written it down, and then somebody tweeted us uh, at us at Four Center uh, a little callback to one of your favorite lines in Rogue One, where there is a question of what is being proposed.
3: <laughs> yes. But Anakwlish, what is what is he proposing? And what is she proposing to Anakwlish? Loved it. Loved it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was it. I didn't feel like there I felt like the remark kind of like a surface level fun aesthetic. It's fun to see that again. It's fun to hear that mentioned uh, as opposed to some of the episodes of Book of Boba Fett where it feels like big canon things have been like, let's really examine this from a different perspective.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For me, there was a couple of things uh, I noted that I loved in in, in the kind of connections, other stories and lore here. First of all, I just love going to Mos Eisley. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and anytime you visit there, I love even in, in, in the replay of the Fennec scene to, that when he finds her body in knowing that, you know, Eisley is Eisley uh, is over there because she's heading somewhere. Right. Uh, I forget the exact lines of from that episode. She's kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think she's way. meeting someone there. Yeah. Um, and wasn't Boba Fett, as we now know. I just love I just love uh, seeing Moss Eisley there. Uh, it just it, it, it warms my uh, new hope, love, and heart. Uh, and then uh, I have never been a huge fan of, of what I've always called the Little Shop of Sarlacc Special Edition Beak. Uh, but over the years, the fire for that has just faded away, right? There's more things in life and Star Wars to worry about. But to see it here and the way it was used, is just was so effective. Any doubts I had about that beak, I, I'm, I'm one over. That was terrifying and loved the use of it there. Uh, it was a great fun callback for me.
4: Oh yeah. you know we can talk about it more with action, but that, that was, that was a horror movie. Right. And like, what is that circle? Oh Lord. Yeah. That, that was disturbing and uh, absolutely great. Yeah. yeah. And to your My- most Eisley point, I also liked that uh, Fennec's like oh, a lot of great mechanics in, in most Eisley and feels like, is that Pelimoto's second? popping up in book of boba fett
3: yeah. yeah 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 and again yeah i love i love anytime we go back there uh the final one for me just just it, it, lord to mando right it, we're we're only uh two years out <laughs> it's crazy to think um but seeing those flares go up when the first one goes up i i think i saw it wrong uh and i thought oh maybe it's a ship coming right i, I couldn't tell And the second one goes up the music cube plays. And I had one of those, ah, like sit up straight, kind of like, oh my God, we're, we're, we're crossing the timelines. And, uh, I just, to me, uh, similar to what I said with the little shop of Sarlacc Beak there, uh, I've mentioned this before, but I always want to pause when this kind of comes up for me as a fan and maybe out the, out there uh, listening, you have a similar experience. I've said before season one, chapter five, not my favorite thing, a Mandalorian, but it's got some stuff in it. I love the, the Tuscan stuff really kind of begins there and going to the cantina, all those kind of things are there. And, and, and it's got a great sequence, though. That flare sequence is wonderful. So here it is, though, a couple of years later, and, and it's directly mentioned, and Toro Calican's over the hill. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And all, I, all, all, all I'm experiencing is joy as a Star Wars fan I'm not grumpy about this I'm not worried about uh, any, anything, any complaints I had about that Which maybe were le- legit at the time But I just think when you, when you take that journey with Star Wars This is what happens more often than you think uh, You might not like Attack of the Clones But suddenly you're like, that shot's from Attack of the Clones That droid's from Attack of the Clones And, and there it happens
4: yeah, that seismic charge, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, is okay. from Attack the Clones. Yeah. No, I think it's that's such a great example of yeah, we can have whatever opinions we want about um, an individual chapter, and sometimes there's something we don't like. Obviously, a lot of people didn't like Toro Calican. A lot of people in that first season of Mandalorian were, you know, so excited to you know, put our foot on the gas of the Grogu story and felt mm-hmm. like, well, what, what are we doing in chapter 4 and 5? Where's this going? Uh, and all understandable uh feelings to have at the time but then it's just amazing it's to me it is just always a reminder to myself as a viewer to try to have patience because like toro calican Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know is the least important part of that episode uh right now Like, Mm -hmm. i think he's got great purpose in that episode and we don't need to go into that you can listen to our old review of that episode uh but that episode now is about like that's where the Tuscan adventure began that's where Boba Fett met Fennec Shan. like uh that's where we first met Pelliamato this character who keeps uh being a part of the story and that episode uh has blossomed in so many ways and it's always fun to watch a new episode and go like what in this episode that I'm maybe not paying attention to right now might be huge might be fundamental might be like mm. changed later
3: yeah love that you never go back and uh, see them the same way again those episodes
4: yeah exactly uh great great catches there let's move into action did you have some favorite action moments
3: uh, i did want to note that the boba fett versus uh the LAP series story i called him the rat catcher because it's kind of how it's referred to i just i do love the whole sequence and it was funny it was totally silly it was totally a little weird and awkward i love everything about that including him just pressing a big off button just everything uh almost a non-action moment uh but just also boba fett bringing the intensity to uh, that confrontation just as he brings it to every other confrontation
4: (laughs) and did you just take it as like we're really trying not to be noticed yeah uh and hey that little rat catcher could uh, sound the alarm gotta get him absolutely absolutely that's what it was yeah i also just felt like there was a dynamic where uh boba was really letting fennec take the lead he wasn't just asking for her help or asking for her to follow him right Mm-mm. and i felt like that was a part of the dynamic of like sneaking huh <laughs> not as familiar with that one oh you're cutting these bars sneaking okay cool and he's just he's not that great at it it's like ah i see sneaking uh, i will smash this <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> big pot over and make a lot of noise i'm sneaking good yeah. right
3: yeah this, this is battlefront two and it's me i am going all by myself front facing that uh, gate blaster firing and uh, i would die i would
4: die oh yeah no no sneaking just a lot of blasting yeah that's a great one um this is kind of an action moment for me but the first one that really uh, got me is fennec's little probe is cool and seeing uh the the diagram that she gets yeah uh it really a video game moment but i also just love the moment that the probe buzzes through the gate at the last second <laughs> it's like It's a well-known, well-trod action moment, but they're just buzzing in right before the door closes. It worked for me. It was really fun.
3: I I was expecting it to pick up Indiana Jones's hat. It was so close.
4: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Another one for me is, I wrestled with whether to put this in an action moment or comedy moment, uh, but the chef droid uh, from Mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones doing an impression of General Grievous (laughs) from Revenge of the Sith And working up, I got all these uh, these knives, and I got all these arms swinging. Do you really want to step to me? Uh, And and then the undercut of just the quiet uh, slice of the neck is a great contrast.
3: Oh, Fennec was great throughout this entire episode, but that was a fun moment too. Yeah, I was. I almost wanted to see what he would do in that fight, like uh, both the Droid and Boba Fett. Like, how's this gonna play out? That's that was a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you
4: think that the chef droid was actually had some moves or was that all intimidation?
3: I think it was a little intimidation. I, you know, part of its program, you know, who knows? And in, in, in Jabba's palace, things might've got a little hairy back in the day. In the, you <laughs> know, so uh, even in bibs, so a uh, little, we'll, we'll call, may call and be there, but uh, uh, we didn't get to see that fight. thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Uh, and kind of the big escape moment, jumping to that, uh, getting the, getting the ship out, uh, Fennec is great all the way through. We can highlight almost everything, and I think we will. And you talked about uh, shooting the plunk drawer. Yeah, totally made that note, too. Of uh, That's what you do in a video game. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> uh, but I love the, the brutal headshots. Speaking of video games, so many bonus points, headshot points. Her like, <laughs> XP is going up. Uh, really good. Just love seeing her in action.
4: Yeah, there are a couple moments from that uh, big escape I liked. Uh, I liked again that you know even though Boba was literally uh, piloting the ship, uh, Fennec was kind of driving that fight. I love the uh, the neck chop to the Gamorrean.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I put that down too. She gets some great moves. Got to see in this play there the Gamorrean and the neck
4: Yeah, and I, I like that Boba takes one down too the Gamorreans, and they're kind of compliment each other and like Oh yeah, we both have game. That's great. Uh, but there's something about like just really seeing her like. Uh, Boba is obviously using sort of like brute strength and a big stick and she's like so uh, precise. I I love that. Yeah. Uh, And then at the, there's so many moments I could list. There's one where the, she kind of spins just as she's being shot at and uh, takes out the person shooting at her. But the utter confidence of her kind of shouting to Boba about exactly, you know, what to do of like turn now. And Boba's like, Mm. all right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, And she tells him to close the ramp, right? And uh, bullseyes that counterweight just as the ramp closes and has that look of like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm very good. Yeah, so great. So great. (laughs) It's so great. It's so confident and it's
3: so her skill set. Yeah, yeah. this was uh, definitely a Fennec Shines episode. She's been killing it all through, literally through the show. But no, I love this.
4: Yeah, yeah, and it's true, there's been memes about who she keeps offering, like, uh, do you want me to kill them? (laughs) This is a flashback, but uh, she got her wish. I also just really liked for another big moment in this uh, chapter that had a lot of really heartfelt stuff about we are all stronger together and had some real uh, whimsical moments with uh, Banthas and LEP droids that it also had just vengeance. (laughs) Uh, I really liked the scene. Of of Fett in his ship, just mercilessly taking down that Nikto gang. There was something about it that was kind of like cold and removed, uh, but also so intense and vicious. And you get that sort of uh, double pleasure of of hearing that ship's really iconic cannons go off, and you're just waiting for it, like get close enough so I can hear that sound. And you hear the sound, and then you know to just put a button on it to see the look on his face, just the curl of his lip. In, in in such contrast to the kind of mercy and kindness and even connection he showed to the Bantha. And then looking over to to Fennec of like, are you you know, are you cool with that? Yes. <laughs> and or not of like, good job. That's the way you do it.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well said all of that there. And, and it does even the big theme of, of what we've been talking about, even going back to the Mando's the second season where it's like it's a new and improved Boba. But man, he is sure confirming his stance on violence if uh, you get in his <laughs> way. I love that. And here's the thing, like, uh, obviously, um, uh, the the um, death of the, of the Tuscan tribe is, is uh Still probably a hot button issue as it should be, but I no I, I think I, I was always like he's gonna get his revenge. We're gonna see that. And sometimes as that that could play out as like, is it gonna be slow? Is it gonna be three episodes? Is it the rest of the flashback arc during the show? Like I didn't know how it was gonna play out. And to see that no, the answer is he gets his shit back and destroys them in seconds was ended up being the answer that I needed. <laughs> yeah.
4: And uh and we'll talk about it more. Fennec obviously has uh, a, a line addressing, you know, who's really responsible um yeah yeah. so i think we can chat about that more as we get to talking about uh what might happen in upcoming weeks but yeah i agree with you of wondering like how how does he move right from the scene of that horrific tragedy and go track down the Nikto gang and and getting this great answer like no i'm gonna i am going to find lots of firepower and i'm going to unleash it
3: yeah i'm not gonna wait i'm not gonna play game i'm gonna bond villain where i'm gonna slowly tell them my plan (laughs) i'm going to get my (laughs) beloved ship that i cry when i see again and I'm going to destroy you.
4: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's a little rusty, but it's still working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, uh, I imagine we both had moments that we really enjoyed in that Sarlacc sequence. So uh, yeah. give me your thoughts on the action beats there.
3: I just, it was was really put together well. Uh, first of all, I had that because he, he goes, you know, for the Nikto gag. And then he's, the next shot is Sarlacc Pit. I literally was like, is he just going to drop uh, the seismic charge? In there, like I thought he was just gonna be like, and then I'm gonna destroy that bleeper too. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. All right.
4: I uh, really, I, <laughs> I thought the same thing is like Nikto's, uh, then the Sarlacc, uh, then
3: there's a printer that used to piss me off, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna yeah. blow that to hell. The scene from Office Space, die exactly. blankety blank, die blankety blank. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, I loved it, but yeah, no, it, it plays out so well. Uh, it turns into, like I so you said, a nice horror sequence there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, I call them the Seismic Charges uh, Part 3. Actually, I guess Part 4 is, I think, the fourth detonation we've seen, right, on on screen? Tech, Ooh,
4: a great trivia contest. I'll, oh. I'll try to do some math in my head. Oh
3: oh I don't compete no more. Um, Yeah, I think I think they're, yeah, so I just, yeah, everything about it. And, you know, Seismic Charges is my favorite sound in Star Wars. So to, to hear it again in such a fashion. Wow, I love that scene.
4: Yeah, it was so great because I think that's one of those uh, moments where kind of knowing the armaments of that ship, you're like, when is it going to (laughs) come? How did you feel about the twist that... uh Boba is just fighting to keep the the ship from being swallowed up. Boba's fighting to have his the same fate happen to him again, <laughs> right? I'm getting yep. swallowed by this thing. And it is uh, Fennec who releases uh, our beloved seismic charges. How did you feel about that?
3: I I loved it. I I think uh, I think number one, she saves the day. She's great. But also just like yeah, if you put him put him back in that spot, that's uh that's like if you ever uh, you know ate like a bad food and then you have to face it down again. You don't want to do that. <laughs> These mushrooms again? No.
4: Yeah, like for me, it's like yeah, it's like the the first time I had rum didn't go well, and I had to <laughs> I had to face that fear. Um, yeah, and there's just so many great great moments, great shots, just kind of like the the power of just like I'm staring into the mouth of this thing that uh that almost destroyed me. Yeah. But I love Fennec going like ah, th- this isn't gonna work, and yeah. the shot of her taking the seatbelt off and falling onto uh the the glass. Mm-hmm. And seeing the, the snap and just seeing like, yeah, no, she she really has control of her fear. Um, yeah. And then, the, yeah, the, the seismic charge itself uh, mm-hmm. right under the surface and seeing everything rattle is so sure.
3: great. Yeah. Well, good. good. Put together sequences all, all the way around.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, final things uh, for me is uh, obviously I, I really loved um, the uh, Chris Hanton loses it mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And it's, I love all the different ways that Star Wars presents action. Sometimes it's just a fun thrill. Sometimes it's kind of a tragedy that a fight is happening at all. And this one kind of has a little bit of that, like, this is fun, but obviously not good. good. You know, this is not equals. This is just a mean, drunk (laughs) Wookiee working out some feelings on these Trandoshans. But I did love, as you highlighted, a very Western shot where, you know, Boba is uh, walking in and then the Trandoshan just hits the wall. and. The uh, part of what works so well about that wonderful, wonderful speech uh, from from Garcia Fwip is that the aesthetic of the sanctuary matches what she's saying of like, look, we're still yeah. gambling. We're still drinking. We just kind of got our pinkies up in here. We have potted plants. Does Chalmans have potted plants <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> run down old Mos Eisley? No, it does not. We're a potted plant place. I just really yeah. like the highlight of the Trandoshan hitting the wall and the potted plant falling over. Yeah.
3: We went to Pier One Imports over Mosaspa.
5: <laughs>
4: exactly, exactly. And then, uh, you know, it, it was a great button to uh, the depth of the scene, but the limb hitting the ground was it was a good action.
3: Okay. Add that to the Star Wars severed limb T-shirt, I guess.
4: Uh, we're getting we can do a ranked. We can do a Star Wars ranked of favorite <laughs> limb removals. <laughs> Love
3: it. Yeah, I, I'm with you too. I mentioned it, but the uh, Crescent's kind of drunk rage. There's just something. Something about it. Uh, not that I've gotten drunk at a bar and ripped arms off, but just uh, where you, 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 you tried. So it's almost like he was trying not to, he almost like he knows he shouldn't do this, but with each sip, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. Any other action moments for you? Uh, no, a lot of it. And again, all the sequences well put together. Uh, the director has that kind of history as a dance co- a choreographer, uh, directing uh, Mortal Kombat. It, it just made sense uh, and uh, showed in the scenes there.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on then to moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. What you got here?
3: Well, the first one was The uh, the Modifier, who we should shout out, was uh, played by uh, Thundercat, Stephen Bruner. I had to look that up a little bit. I'm familiar with the name. When I saw it in the credits. He did some work with Haim, which is one of my favorite bands. Also, Gordonson Gordonson did as well. But he played uh, bass in uh, Suicidal Tendencies for a long time in a later part of the Tendencies uh, run there. Uh, I thought he was great as uh, The Modifier. And I love that even in The Mod Parlor, Appointments are needed, and appointments is a running <laughs> theme in Book of Boba Fett.
4: Appointments and water and uh, abandonment—yep, uh, all big themes uh, yeah. in in Book of Boba Fett.
3: Yeah, yeah, love that.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess whimsy weirdness. I guess it kind of counts. I I loved the mood of of the the mod parlor and mm-hmm. you know i think there is also for me in book of boba fett it might not be to everybody's taste and i really understand and respect that but it feels like there's a very lucas like cheekiness where uh things can have meaning sometimes things can be cool and sometimes things can be like yeah no i, I the, this guy's name savage Press,
3: <laughs> right, right right you
4: know or uh, th- that's the way my my child pronounced corn fritters so this guy's name is orn frita you know mm-hmm. uh, th- a certain kind of It's meaningful, but it's cheeky to have mod make sense in Galaxy for modifier, but it's also like they are so coded um, Mm. from, you know, mods in uh, 60s culture and, you know, in in, in, uh, future years as well. But those scooters being, as many people pointed out so blatantly from uh, Quadrophenia, uh, I kind of liked that, that wordplay
3: no no it, it made it all kind of kind of not make sense but just i don't know just smooth smooth uh, smooth smoothed was smooth and and flowed uh into even the stuff back into the stuff from last week i love kind of seeing them there and really you know that there's this this timeline discussion of, 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 how long Boba Fett was where and, and for, you know, and doing what, but, uh, so when, when it showed back up and, and the, and the, and the colorful speeder bikes, uh, colorful Vespa bikes were there, I was like, Oh, here we go again, even in the <laughs> past. But then I realized, ah, oh, I guess not so much, uh, not so much in the past. No,
4: I mean, it feels like it goes with the great speech about times have changed, and these yeah. are young people with new ideas who really want things to change and think, in fact, that 41-year-olds like Boba Fett can't get with that change because <laughs> they're too old. <laughs> too old, man. <laughs> too old, man. Uh, what are some other moments of comedy or whimsy for you?
3: Uh, I did I did love the modifier going, well, you should have started with that. Fun little beat. Um but moving on from the modifier poly there, I, you, come on, Bantha tongue kisses and the Bantha <laughs> all hungry and those big Bantha eyes and that mouth. I just uh, going back to even uh, Mando season two is when they really started to you seen them up close and personal. I uh, I just never knew I was as big of a Bantha fan. Well,
4: just giving them so much uh, personality, right? Uh, They're not just these kind of strange, otherworldly beasts of burdened elephants, but not really. um, Now they're, they're, you know, creatures. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're friends. They they wag their tail. The tail wag. The tail wag got me. And I love that Boba Fett is like, oh, man, if you cross him, he will murder you with relish but he's yeah. just such a sweetheart too. <laughs> yeah. I know some people don't like that but I really like that humanizing yeah. uh, a contrast so I really liked find other banthas make bantha babies or <laughs> make baby banthas. <laughs> make baby
3: banthas. Love it. Yeah, love everything about that. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also liked a, a little bit earlier the um Talking about the black melons, it takes some getting used to. In time, you start to crave it.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, that wasn't really a joke to me, but just sort of like eh, it's a little bit of world building and a little bit of uh, speaking to how long Boba's been surviving in this way.
3: <laughs> it's it's like me with the uh, vegan chicken patty sandwiches. You let people don't believe <laughs> me. But I'm like after a while, you will crave them. Yeah, you need him. You need him.
4: Yeah. Uh, we talked about the comedy in the fight of with the uh, LEP droid. But I really did like there's a, at least two beats in this episode where he says, I am Boba Fett. Yes. Uh, and I like that once he captures this comical little rabbit droid, that he does kind of try to intimidate uh, the rabbit droid by saying, I am Boba Fett. <laughs> it, it so works. The LEP uh, droid just reach into their own shut off button. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. And I think it was like a little cathartic to like, sometimes I am in a situation where be like, if I could just shut off my, <laughs> my power button and just power down, that would be my ideal in this situation. I guess I have to be responsible and face yeah. it, but I'd rather just <laughs> reach down to my chest and power down.
3: Well, I just would love to know a little history there. That droid's probably been around a bit there in that castle. So he might remember him from some in- incidents before. So, love Oh
4: yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, What are other moments for you?
3: A couple more for me there. Uh, You you mentioned it, but uh, definitely comedy. But Fennec's nod of approval after uh, Fett takes out the the biker gang. Just keep it with that ongoing uh, theme, that recurring joke of her like, I can kill him. Do you want me to kill him? I can kill him. I can kill him. And her just being like, oh, good. You killed him. I love that. That's (laughs) kind of uh, the start of the journey with that.
4: Yeah, I did like next time. Don't touch my buttons, because uh, yeah. you know Boba Fett's really he's he's uh, follow he's asking for Fennec's help and following her lead, but a little bit of also like mm, mm. I don't know I, that I I make the seismic charge choices.
3: <laughs> well, limited supply at this point, you know.
4: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, last one for me is um, it was great to have uh, Max Rebo's uh, name, at least part of it, used. <laughs> And just, you know, the joke that we've talked about a lot lately of uh, bands and these kind of clubs need to recognize exactly when violence and conflict is starting or mm. <laughs> drums are approaching so they can stop playing and when to pick it up again. And it was a fun twist to have the the host actually just say, hit it, Max. Hit it, Max.
3: We need that shirt real, real quick. Real quick. Like, hit it, Max. Oh, I'm sure it's there. Any more for you? Uh, I did mention before, but uh, Bubba Fett going spelunking in the sarlac. I'm glad we didn't see it. I don't need to spend all my time in the sarlac, but it's just... I had a lot of fun just imagining him uh, roaming around, but then also coming out and, and Fennec dumping, like, water on his head or, like, you need to find a back to take. Just like, what? come on, this is silly. You gotta, you're got you going to die down there. Let's get out of here. Just a fun uh, kind of weird moment. Yeah,
4: yeah, and I do like that he just said there's just junk down there. I would <laughs> love a cut scene of just, like, all the, you know, just garbage he finds there. Or is there something really important? Is there, like, you know, <laughs> a, a third Sith Wayfinder that nobody knows about? And he's like, what's this junk?
3: <laughs> Nothing a holocron, yeah. <laughs>
4: exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh any uh directorial moments that jumped out at you? We always like to celebrate those since we get yeah. different directors for different chapters.
3: Yeah, i, I again, some of the shots, um that uh, you mentioned the fennec looking through the, the closing door after she hits the uh, the counterweight. Really good I love the that there. Just the stage and everything, the sarlex the sarlex point of view, so to speak, of looking up through the Sarlek back at uh, Slave One as it's full round. Mm-hmm. It just was a really fun scene, real Star wars uh in that sense of you're on the playground and and daydreaming about you know maybe fets flying over the like its just uh, again the return of jedi kid me loved the use of it all, but just love it was very uh artistic if you will uh the starlak was shot very well, very beautiful Starlak got a great close up uh, i loved it
4: yeah it is absolutely uh, great and beautiful uh that was one that I definitely noticed um i really liked the shot coming up from the starlak mm-hmm. and the the ship really filling it it was such a it's one of those shots that makes you feel to me what Boba Fett felt of like, I'm, I'm facing this again, you know, absolutely beautiful. Um, I also liked really early on, uh, that transition from the twin suns to the triple moons. Mm. It's just so beautiful. And the, the triple moons have been established in other, you know, great shots, including in attack of the clones, I believe, um, that it was, that was really cool to see.
3: Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I, I just, I do love the time we're spending on Tatooine and it's, uh, pops up every now and again, you know, should other planets have been Tatooine or should we leave Tatooine? And uh, yeah, I don't, I enjoy my time on the planet. So it's, it's a planet so uh, central to Star Wars.
4: Yeah, me too. I feel like, um, yes, if, uh, if all of the Acolyte takes place on Tatooine, I'll go like, okay, <laughs> maybe start to, uh, question it, but there are reasons that we're here, you know, yeah. and I, and I enjoy it. Totally. Is there anything that we haven't uh, touched on that you wanted to in this chapter?
3: Um, I want to do, do want to touch upon the the Bantha haircut. The bangs of the Bantha, I think, are <laughs> underrated as well. A uh, little uh, almost like Marky Post in the mid 80s uh, uh, kind of <laughs> look there. And I just uh, enjoyed that. I, we're not, I just, I just want to discuss Banthas. Uh
4: i understand that uh, yeah it's just the the oh man the the, the chewing way back yeah. <laughs> in the mouth yeah. i don't know there was a thing about it, it like, yeah, it's like it's a big guy you know i don't know how they accomplished it but it felt like a big mm. puppet animatronic it felt like that you know tradition of star wars going back to like that, that's mark hamill a human and then there's yoda a muppet you know yeah. and it you know that, but you, but it's the emotions still come across.
3: Yeah, I can't wait to see some of the BTS stuff on that and see how the magic uh, reveal the magic. I guess, but uh, yeah, I love that. I like it could, it could be, it could be like, well, we did it small scale with Grogu. Let's make a real bantha. Yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, the other thing it was in last week as well, but even more prominent this week is I really like the mod music. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure that there are some people who you know they, it, maybe it's a little too modern or a little too real world. Uh, but for me, uh, the, the sounds, it, it's, it feels like actual music, you know, evolution of music. It feels like, uh, Hey, okay. Boomers and Gen X, you, you can go listen to your jizz wailing. Uh, this sound, it sounds still spacey, but it's got that different energy and it's got that, like, uh, that youthful, ah, I'm frustrated with everything and I want everything to change and I'm going to be loud about it.
3: Yeah, yeah, we've we've a couple different styles of music get, uh, uh, named or created in Star Wars. Uh, uh, Alphabet Squadron had some uh, the punk, the rec punk, right? Yeah, I uh, loved all that. So, yeah, uh,
4: yeah, that's High Republic. I think is
3: it? Is it yeah, high, yeah, anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, love that. Love all that stuff there. So, uh, yeah, seeing another another style, some 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 mod mod rockin', some mockin'.
4: Yeah, until they tell me what to call it, I'll say mod wailing. Mod wailing. <laughs> That was great. Uh, any Anything else for this chapter before we talk about uh, no. future weeks, future episodes?
3: Oh, no, no, absolutely. Let's move on. Well,
4: then let's dive into that because I'm very curious about your thoughts. I have a couple thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, predictions or hopes uh, for next week or the rest of the show?
3: Uh, well, next week we, we have Dinjar, Djarin, Bo-Katan, uh, uh, Carson <laughs> Teva. Uh, they're sitting there. And then they say, uh, uh, you know, Cara Dune flew back to her home planet. And then we go on this big adventure. <laughs> That's it's a big fight, right? That's what we're all expecting, yep. right? Yep. And if they say Caridun flew back to your home planet, Uh
4: they better acknowledge that it's gone because it's Alderaan. <laughs> yes. it's, uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. um Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's so, I, I, on one hand, it's, look, it's so clear. I know where you can find muscle and the Mando's music plays and man, that was fun and exciting. Uh, I'm wondering if it's as simple as that. And sometimes I like that to be the answer. Again, you want to destroy the Nikto gang, just go destroy them. I don't need to be drawn out, have it drawn out. So I do hope that uh, the war really takes off. Uh, we've mentioned before we're past uh, uh, uh trailer footage. So now give me what you got. Uh, I want um, um, Boba riding a, a rancor in the battle and the uh, person the pikes and <laughs> And Din in a new ship, whatever you got to do. Him going, yeah, Grogu's doing great. He sent me a postcard. It's his school's going wonderful. Like <laughs> uh, I don't know if the big, you know, by structure, you don't think the the big final fight would be next week. But let's really uh, mm-hmm. let's get them all together.
4: Yeah, I mean, that music cue is a strong we-know-what-we're-doing, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, that is, like, it is just asking people to picture, like, all right, it's the big fight, Boba Fett's riding a rancor, and Din Djarin's flying around with a dark saber in his hand. Like, it really does invite that thought. So I'm very curious about that. I think the thing that's most intriguing about it is, like, I'm very happy uh, for Din Djarin to show up and to get a little sense of um, how connected these two shows are, to get a sense of, like, uh, They've, though, these are both two characters who've had kind of a a different path to honor and connection. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense that they would uh, come together. But also, if it is that Din is traveling with Bo Katan, Mm
5: -hmm. um,
4: the idea that that Boba Fett in a show that's about him and about his identity and his past, and is there any room to face like uh, how he truly feels about being a Mandalorian? For him, it is not. You know, it's about his connection to his father, but is it about anything else?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, be uh, yeah. Be, you, you know, I don't think we have time for a campsite conversation. By the way, I don't even think Boca. De, I'm, I'm not necessarily particular Boca Tan showing up, but it would make some sense, obviously, where we last left, left everyone. I, I know, but um, yeah, it, it, to to it's it's. Um, I think a lot of the Camino stuff. It, it, it's clear what it's meant to this story so far, but to actually address it, I, I'm with you on that.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think that would be uh, very interesting. I also think if, the uh, you know, even if it is uh, just Din, there is this hanging thread of, you know, mm-hmm. going back to Mandalore and what really happened on Mandalore and can it be reclaimed. Uh, and there's this interesting thread in this chapter where um, Boba Fett wants to be a leader, he wants control, but it also feels like there is still some strong connection to... Uh, what tatooine is that it's a home in that it rightfully belonged to the tuscans Mm -hmm. and that he doesn't want to lose tatooine like that speech about like it's not just that the the pikes are are, they're going to kill us or they're going to take us our our money is like they're trying to take our planet there's a real like this is ours a real connection to place as a part of identity and that has some great overlap with the mandalorians
3: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, it, 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 if all goes well, I, I don't, it, it, Din's not going to turn around or Bo-Katan or anyone would say, all right, cool. And you want to go to your next adventure on Mandalorian, Mandalore or, or, or anything like that. Uh, because I think it, you get the sense that he's just really, uh, you know, not even sense. I think he's just said, he's like you said, he's so connected to Tatooine. So yeah, that would make some sense.
4: Yeah. A uh, couple other things for me. I really wanted to highlight that line when um, Boba Fett is telling Fennec about his past and Fennec says, uh, speed bikers defeated Tuscans That's highly unlikely. Um, I think for me, that's a big indication that while the flashbacks might be done, the fallout from the flashbacks uh, is not done. Um, yeah. And I feel like the story of the past and the story of the present might come together in, like you're saying, from both perspective of like, I... I, I the Nikto gang you know uh perpetrated a horrific crime and and they answered for it they're gone they're done that's it yeah uh and he might not have any sense that there's something more to it but i feel like the past and the present could come together quite a bit if he's uh, if he thinks if both thinks his motivation is uh protect tatooine from the pikes and then it becomes personal because the pikes are the ones who ordered the Nikto to do that, or they actually did that and framed the Nikto. I think that's a possibility that I'm really intrigued by. Yeah,
3: no, absolutely. And, and and discussing even more just the idea of that, you know, part of the reason maybe the Nikto uh, storyline goes so fast, you know, uh, could be because there's more coming. And, 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 and again, that line from, uh, I'm wary sometimes, right, of, 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 you know, you know, me and speculation are going into it more, but it's like some of those lines just seem to be that they are what they are. <laughs> That uh, Nickto Gang would have done that. Uh, Boba, Fett, the feet of a mysterious uh, a creature or, or, or mysterious person with uh, spurs on in Mando season one. If that wasn't Boba Fett, they were going to have some questions <laughs> to answer. <laughs> and it is. And so even so, Mando's music. Uh, Nickto speed, speed, Speeders couldn't have done that. Like, yes, I think this absolutely is leading to something uh, more, which is fun, right? We we'll all enjoy that. I just uh, so love just uh, wondering what's next. It uh, can't wait to get to it.
4: Yeah, yeah. So it, it, I'm very intrigued to see that the uh, the implications uh, of what happened to them in the past are going to still be a part of the present. So like, great, <laughs> yeah. wipe the hands, walk on. Uh, at least that's to me what that line indicates. Like you're saying, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, I think another big thing for me that I'm really interested to see how much of a conflict it's going to be is the can uh, Chrysanthem be trusted, right? Mm. Um, because we've had this uh, this theme where Boba Fett wants to give people a chance. And Fennec, in that first chapter, just straight up says, don't give the, giving the Gamorreans a chance is a mistake. And so far, uh, Boba Fett's been right. They've been there and they've helped him. And he's put him, put a Gamorrean in his own back pod, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's worked out with the the mod gang. And it's worked out with Fennec. And I kind of feel like a part of the point of that Chrysanthemum scene is, that's not Chrysanthemum. He's not going to change. Mm. And what's going to happen when you're trying to build this coalition, if it's trying to be realistic about the, the world, the way he talks about the gangs of like, yeah, you know, they're going to let somebody else fight this war for them. You know, they're self-involved. I don't trust them, but they're not stupid. This benefits them, so they'll let it happen. So it's not like he's in some la-la land. It's not being Pollyanna. But did he take a step too far by bringing somebody so incapable of change as Chris Anton mm. into the inner circle?
3: Yeah, that would be they'd be an interesting way to, to to play out that whole kind of theme. And yeah, and again, I'm I just want Santi to have a good life, man. I'm I'm rooting for him to change, but you're right.
4: I know. I want things to get better. Uh, but you know. A a part of me is like definitely seems like some, you know, some din uh, suggestion with that music, but also the possibility of, you know, I'm sure the internet's going to be alive this week with bounty hunters on parade. Is this going to (laughs) be, you know, good old wizened uh, Cad Bane? You know, is is this going to be justice for Dengar? Like, am I finally going to get to see Embo live action, which is what I want? You know, is the entire bad batch in Adult uh, (laughs) Omega going to have a family reunion? Right. There are all these possibilities, but one that is really intriguing to me is. Bosk because he's got history with Boba Fett as a kind of crappy uh, Mm -hmm. mentor figure slash, uh, you know, co-bounty hunter slash underling of Boba. He's got some uh, complicated uh, relationships there. And also if the question is being raised of can Chrysanthemum be trusted, is he going to fight side to side with that bleepin' Trandoshan Bosk?
3: Conversations that could be had between all of them on screen.
4: Yeah, I want a big campfire between a okay. uh, bosk and the Chrysanthi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Lots of growling, biting and headbutting. That's mm. what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Uh so th- those are it for my uh, thoughts about uh
3: upcoming
4: weeks. Anything else for you?
3: No, no. I, yes. Uh, so can't wait. We we truly have uh, uh you know set set the stage for something big which is part of the fun and part of the, what this show does and what the the, the the format of these shows do so uh if, if you've been patient and kind of hung around for these big themes and campfire conversations i think uh your just reward is coming
4: yes exactly and i think uh, you are very right to point out that it is uh the big fight is not here yet. Like this, I felt like this was very teeing up. Like in the next chapter is we're going to gather our, our buddies and some pals. So I think that, um, I think that I want to set my expectations of like, probably not going to be the big fight next week.
3: I would love a five minute uh, uh, trying to ride a rancor training sequence.
4: <laughs> Absolutely, we can hope. And on that uh, great whimsical note, we are going to close as we always do by imagining uh, what merch we could possibly get based on this episode. If you could have anything, Ken, what would you want?
3: Well, I think it could be um, two droids day in the sun, and we can finally get like a a, a live uh, like a, like a not live uh, like a actual robot, uh, a rabbit droid, excuse me, just throwing words out here. Uh, the rabbit droid, but like like the old uh, BB-8 uh, Spiro ones where you could control around your house, like it, it could run around your house. Uh, and then I would love um, like a practical uh, cooking droid uh, to throw oh. into the kitchen. Yeah,
4: yeah no, I I think that droid could absolutely make my frozen pizzas for me.
3: Yeah, 100%. I I, I did a lot of uh, chopping up uh, slicing and dicing yesterday, uh, cooking a broccoli and potato kind of based dinner. So I really could have used his help. Yeah, it was
4: nice that they were making a salad. They're having a, a balanced meal there. It was very nice. Indeed. Uh I always love for action figures the Power of the Force 2 era when they had the Cinema Scene 3 pack. They had them for Phantom Menace as well and it, it, I had so much fun fantasizing about what which three characters can they put in a Cinema Scene 3 pack? And I would love a Cinema Scene 3 pack of the kitchen droids. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the EV series and the COO uh Chef Cook droid and then the Rat Catcher. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I think, uh, obviously, uh, in my mind, there is no doubt there will be uh, multiple Chrysanthemum figures. Yes. um, Hot Toys, Black Series, three and three quarter. Here's what I want, Ken. I want every one of them to come as an accessory, to come with a
3: Trandoshan arm. Just, oh, just a bloody floppy trend arm love it
4: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly he's got his blaster and he doesn't really carry a blaster does he um uh at least in this show uh yeah he's got all his equipment and a Trandoshan arm yeah Yeah. so lots of fun action figures to be had uh and uh
3: yeah anything else for you uh no just a real fun episode really loved it uh and and i love as the show grows and four chapters and we get even more of the story more complete story and uh I hope you're all still enjoying the journey uh, there. Not that every Star Wars journey is perfect, but man, it sure is fun.
4: Yeah, I think this is uh, this uh, show for me is firing on many, many, many levels. Uh, from the the sort of deep and meaningful, from the real fan thrill of just spending more time uh, with uh, these droids, these locations, these yeah. ideas, and in uh, the thrill of uh, who's going to come next, and it will be cool to see them, and also then what will it mean for the characters? All really great stuff. So uh, with that, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us?
3: Yes, I do. We are the force center podcast, We we found on Twitter at force center pod, We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Uh, we are also on Facebook. Like us there at force center podcast. You can get merch at slash user slash force center. Get an audio book on us by going to audible trial.com slash force center. Uh, you can also find the podcast, a lot of different spots, including a Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, if you're on Spotify, they now have a kind of a rate and review system there. Uh, throw us a, a, a rating, if you would. It would help us out. Uh, you can also support us directly at patreon.com slash for Center, we uh, have a show exclusive on the Companion app right now called Databank Dive. Uh, we are uh, close to wrapping up that series, uh, but uh, the episodes will be there. So so you want to check it out. Uh, and when we tweet out the links, you'll know how to sign up and enjoy that show. You can find me at CatNapsock or go to my website, CatNapsock.com and having a lot of fun playing music on the weekends, live on my show Pop Rock and Radio on Mixcloud. A lot of 4Center fans popping in there. So look for those uh, notifications, and I'll let you know when I'm going live playing music. Joseph?
4: Yeah, I hope you can uh, play some mod-wailing music. I would enjoy that very, very much. Got me now. Uh- You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshot.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the wagging tail of the bantha, this has been the Book of Boba Fett Report.